Mark chapter 9, verse 29, and he, Jesus said unto them, his disciples, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. This kind can come forth but by nothing uh, but by prayer and fasting. To just help us keep structure and keep on our path here, I'll just go ahead and, and make comments on a few of these words uh, bit by bit. The first thing I want to think about is that little phrase, this kind. This kind. I think that's the, the key differentiator here with this whole episode. There is a, a this kind that we need to be thinking about. What does Jesus mean when he says this kind? That implies that there are various kinds. That implies that the power that the disciples enjoyed in the past on other occasions was sufficient. They did enjoy um, a certain level of power. They were casting out demons, we read in another part of the Gospels, and they had success, and they were so excited. They were thrilled. In fact, Jesus uh, warned them. He said, don't, don't rejoice because of that. Rejoice because your names are written in the, in, in, in the book of life. So the disciples did enjoy a certain level of, of power. So what we see here is Jesus saying, yes, but this kind. And the quick application for us is that, and Martin Lloyd-Jones actually touches on this right at the very get-go uh, in his book. I think it's just the very first chapter, um, which I, I was delighted to see. But he, he makes the comment that what has worked in the past for God's people and his church seems to be powerless and ineffective at the present. Um, and, you know, we've, we've heard stories of this before where you've had preachers who, who would say that in a different context, at a different time, in a different place, preaching a very simple message a very simple gospel message, and you see tremendous fruit, and you have the same message preached in a different setting, usually in the West, and it falls on completely deaf ears, and there is no fruit. Um, even Jonathan Edwards, is what I understand, when he was preaching, say, the same message or the same content, even the same speaker, later in life, he, my understanding is, he did not enjoy the same results, the same fruit. And so the disciples, we see that they had enjoyed a certain level of power. And the church has enjoyed a certain level of fruitfulness and power in the past. And sometimes we think that if we can just resurrect some of these great men of God, some of these great preachers, or just have them re-preach or just re-preach their sermons. And how many times have we heard uh, Jonathan Edwards' sermon re-preached 
or Spurgeon's sermons re-preached. And yet, we're not seeing the same results. Uh, we think that the power is somehow uh, in the method or in the, the, the actual word or the sermon or in the messenger. But we see here that the disciples, though they did enjoy power on other occasions, as many of us have as well, on this occasion, they fell flat on their face. They were completely powerless. This kind. So that implies that there is a, there is a different level of spiritual darkness and depravity that we're dealing with in this particular case. And I would say the same thing I would say the same thing is true in our day. Now, there have been days of spiritual declension uh, all throughout history. But I think that the thing that is um, noteworthy is that in those times, those men, there were men that recognized, in the case of Martin Lloyd-Jones, he was certainly one of them, Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, and so on. There were men that recognized the desperate times that they were in. The desperate times that they were in. And I, I feel and I fear that that is our problem, if I had to pinpoint it. We actually don't feel the desperation that these men felt. And that's a sweeping statement, and I'm, I'm not saying that I'm totally accurate in that. But I know for myself, I know for myself, because I'm an authority there, there are times when I feel a lot stronger and there are times when I don't feel as strong, the burden. It comes and it goes, usually tied with the distractions of this world. And I'll just uh, confess to you that all this work that we're doing here is is so taxing. It is so taxing. And I'm not looking for your sympathy. I'm just saying the reality is that it is hard to switch gears mentally, spiritually. Um, when, you're, when you're in a certain context of work and you're trying to solve a problem and there's a lot of pressure and then all of a sudden switch a context um, to to seeking God for the, for, for the desire for revival. It's very, very difficult. And so when you're constantly pulled like that, uh, and, and in your case, it may be work, it may be family concerns, it may be church, uh, it may be just ministry, just the busyness of life. Um, those things have a tendency to desensitize us to spiritual realities. And that's a, that's a great danger. And so I guess what I'm trying to say here, I'm really getting off this kind, this kind. I don't believe that we really feel like we're in a this kind situation. I don't know if we really believe that. You, you think of someone like Lot. He was embedded in Sodom. He was living there every day. He was raising his family there. Sodom. And 
somehow he was able to live with it. Now, we're told uh, that in Second Peter that the, the filthy conversation is the King James language or the, the, the filthy lifestyle of that society vexed his righteous soul day by day. So we know that he didn't like it and he was greatly bothered by it, but somehow he was able to live with it. I mean, he was there and he, he built his, his livelihood there. Uh, and when the angels came to town, you know, he knew that he had to sort of shield them from the the bad actors in that town. He had he had he had come to a place where he knew how to live there without crossing paths and and people that would come to town that were new. He had to sort of shield them from the badness of the place. So even though he himself was vexed. He was able to live in that context. And I feel like that, uh, that is where we are as well. Yes, we're vexed. We see what we're seeing. We don't like it. But somehow, we have grown accustomed to it. We have almost become acclimated to the, to the cooler temperatures in the church, in the world, for sure, and nothing shocks us anymore. Maybe it does, gives us a jolt here and there. But we're not, there's no scandal. There's, there's, there's certainly not enough to call the church to widespread crying out to God. Certainly not enough for that. And so I, I, I fear that we're not even to first base for the most part because we've just become we have come to a place where we're able to live with it. And it's a little bit like, uh, I mentioned this at the conference, where Goliath is coming out every day and blaspheming in probably the, the worst, most egregious possible ways. Uh, God, the God of heaven, every day he would come out. And it's like the King Saul and, and the rest of them they were just sitting there in their tents and they had maybe just, you know, there was nothing they could do about it and they just kind of got used to it. They didn't like it, but they just kind of, it became routine. Okay, here comes Goliath again. It's that time of day again. And it took somebody to come fresh. Somebody like David who's just come fresh out of the woods, who wasn't growing up in that in that constant environment where you just become used to it. To be like, what is happening here? Why are we just letting this happen? And that is what I believe we need. We need to have this spirit of this is completely not to be we we shouldn't reset our our normal level to to down here now. We shouldn't normalize this. This isn't this isn't right. Somebody needs to come in from those woods and say what's going on? Is there not a cause? So this kind this kind, and I'll just speed through the rest of this, then I'll make this comment. This kind can come forth by nothing. I take great encouragement in the word can. Just that word can. That gives me great hope. The disciples couldn't. 
But Jesus says, it can. This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. In other words, there is no method, there is no person, there is no um, piece of machinery or technology or tool or gimmick that we should be resorting to. By nothing means there is nothing that will work for this kind of spiritual darkness, this kind of spiritual darkness, which I believe we're sitting in. There's nothing that will work. No politician, no preacher even. Um, sometimes we put, we pin our hopes on people. We really do. Um, you know, we, 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 we are very disappointed from time to time when those that we look to perhaps uh, fall short of, of what we feel like that should be there. And I'll, be, I'll try to be as uh, guarded in my words as possible because I don't want to uh, come across as uh, criticizing. And, and there, is, there is cause for lament, let's say. But I don't want to be pinning my hopes on, on whether or not this person or that person or these group of people will get with the program, so to speak. Um, it's quite possible that, that we're it, you know. <laughs> that, uh, I don't mean that in any kind of prideful way, but it's, it's a little bit like Moses. Oh, please, use Aaron. He's, he can speak better. You know what the thing about Aaron was? He may be, have been able to speak better, but he didn't have Moses' heart because Aaron clearly failed later on. He failed, even with all of his gifts. And same with Gideon. Gideon was, it can't be me. I'm, I'm a nobody. It's, it's got to be somebody else. We're always looking for somebody else. But it could, it could very well be that we're it. And that's a scary thought. But it's by nothing. No people, no program, no nothing. By nothing. But by prayer and fasting. And I'll just end there. That's what we're doing here, friends. See, this is why I'm so burdened about this prayer meeting, any prayer meeting that we're part of. Goodness gracious, if it ever descends into a state of just a religious exercise where we feel good about something, where maybe there's some of you on here and you just, it's like you, you actually feel like there's some merit in coming here and it's, it, feels, it feels good. You enjoy it. But there's no real sense of what we're about here. It's by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Prayer, that's what we're doing here. And just fasting. Fasting, again, that could be a religious exercise that, that um, descends into meaninglessness. It's just like the Pharisees, you know, that man that says, I, I fast twice every week. Good for you. That didn't mean anything to, that didn't uh, bring any points to God. That, that wasn't uh, bringing any merit to him. So fa even fasting can become that way. The whole point of, of this is that Jesus doesn't say this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer. He doesn't just leave it at that. It's not just by prayer. He includes fasting because to me that's a qualifier. That, that, um, 
that qualifies a certain kind of praying, which is very focused, intentional, wholehearted, earnest, crying out to God, desperate praying, if I can say it that way. And I don't know if we're there. And, and you can't drum it up. You can't drum it up. I can't drum it up. We have to ask God to, to bring us there. And that is my burden to you all today.